<laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 11, Episode 10. I'm your host, Otis Gyre, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of authors Blake Blizzard and Corpse Child. Tonight, you'll hear the tales of Fireside Chat's Nighttime Fear, deadly games, and uncontrollable anxieties. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first three spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Spending time together around a campfire is a long-standing tradition, as is the telling of stories around said campfire. But even when one's telling scary stories to frightened friends, some stories are more enjoyable than others. 
Jones. Let's take a moment for a short jaunt to just such a fire and of the tale to be told with a captive audience. Without further ado, I present to you Join Me by the Fire. I'm glad you're here. Beside this fire, isn't this nice? How often do we as humans have a chance to take a moment? Just a moment to pause and look around. Especially beside the fire. As a child, I loved sitting by a campfire, staring hypnotically into it, seeing the flames looking. If you stare long enough, you can see life, you can see love, you can see hope. Every human has primitive ties to the fire, whether it's a bonfire or a campfire, or any other for that matter. It's a key to our survival. It keeps us warm, it keeps us safe. It cooks our food to keep us healthy. It provided light when electricity was not possible yet. And as a quick aside, did you know that the term bonfire actually traces back to the literal term bone fire? Yep, many cultures throughout the world would throw giant feasts and cook the bones of their kills and enemies. Celebration time. The human race revolved around the fire. I've droned on for too long ago. Thank you for joining me here. I know it's not your thing. You people are so used to comfort and convenience. I see you now, looking at the ground, trying not to get dirt on your shoes or your skin. Relax. Please, enjoy the fire. Enjoy the moment outside. And we won't be here forever. You will not be here forever. I mean that in a metaphorical sense. You never know when your last day on Earth will be. Tragic when you think of life like that. So let's not think like that. Let's enjoy the present while we're all breathing air and enjoying life. That's why we call it the present, you know. Because the present is a gift. Enjoy the fire. Enjoy the smells of nature. Enjoy the sounds. Please be quiet, though. I can't have you interrupting our tale by the bonfire. It's such a lovely night and a lovely fire, raging. Have you ever seen a fire of this stature? I'm a professional. I guarantee you'll never forget this story or this night. I guarantee it. Stop crying and, and listen. Have you heard of spooky camping tales where... Unknowing, recreation-loving folks meet an unfortunate end at the end of a knife or a rope. A common urban legend, but still an entertaining one. The story goes that a masked maniac has been on the loose in various campgrounds in the Midwest in the late 1990s until the current day. He'd torment younger campgoers by knocking on their campers and whisper outside of their tents. There was a period of time when no one was camping somewhat similar to no one wanting to swim after seeing Jaws or wanting to take a shower after seeing Psycho. The National Parks Association vehemently denied these rumors and declared their campgrounds safe. No one has disputed that unfortunate circumstances happen in parks and campgrounds. Hell, bad things happen everywhere. But these are isolated incidents, they say. The parks are safe. It took time, as everything does, but people came back. 
City dwellers and outdoorsmen alike couldn't help themselves. They wanted to get back to nature. Good on them. Camping experienced a boon in the early 2000s. An unintended subset of campers emerged here. The glampers. Insanely, comfortably camping folk took over, bringing every modern convenience with them. Full bathrooms, full catering, RVs, outfitted like home. Modern man was living outside as they were in their own residences. It was a glorious time. I would have loved that as a child. Hey, 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 I don't think so. Don't move another muscle. Do you feel that? Your breathing has been cut off in an instant. It's hard enough just to breathe through your nose with your mouth restricted. My expert grip has both of the major arteries in your throat begging to recirculate blood. Almost like I've done this before. Look at me. Stop. I'm going to sit back down on this log, and you're going to listen, okay? Okay. I can forgive the dash. You don't fully know what's going on. I've told you over and over again that you're safe, but I've seen this before. You'll settle down. You will settle down. Good. I think we have an understanding. Hot dog? Okay, suit yourself. As serious as my little monologue was about the necessity of fire, it's also great for grilling weenies. Seriously, these are Nathan's. The best hot dog you can buy over the counter. Are you sure you don't want one? I'll save my disappointment, but I do understand. I'll say that you're just not hungry. Where was I? Ah, a lot of excitement in the last few moments. Ah, yes. The spooky camping tales of murder and mystery. One of these urban legend campfire tales usually has a hidden story directed at younger children. Stranger danger probably puts it best. Kind of like the tried and true razor blade in the apple story about trick-or-treat candy. That never really happened. Not that I've heard. It's a tale to make parents extra aware of their children as they go out dressed in costumes to take candy from strangers. I wish you would stop making so much noise. My goodness, that muffled crying is so damn annoying. All right, look, if I remove the tape, you must promise to remain quiet. If you make so much as a puff out of that pretty mouth, I'll end this whole ordeal so violently. I, well, I don't want that to happen. I haven't even started the story. I want to tell you a scary story. Agreed? Okay. There. Good. Shh. Shh. Good. One more chance. Would you like a fire-grilled hot dog? Okay, you're lost. Just look into this place. So hypnotic, no? Ancient man would stare into fires for many reasons. If you look long enough, you can see faces screaming, the possible meaning of life. I see doom inside this fire. Maybe not for you, maybe not for me, but it's still there. Have you heard of the legend of the Hook Man? It's a basic amalgamation of scary stories. A young couple drive to a secluded lookout. They shut the vehicle off, keeping the radio on in 
enjoying the dark sky full of amazingly vibrant white stars. Every so often, seeing one shoot across the sky above. A breaking news story interrupts the lazily written love song playing. From WNEU News Desk, the Ridgewood Rippers reportedly escaped from the state prison nearby. He was convicted of murdering several couples, making out at Lookout Point just months prior. He's reported to be still wearing his blue prison jumpsuit and has a hook fastened to where his left hand used to be. It is believed he was born with one hand missing, utilizing a hook to replace said hand. Consider him dangerous and, of course, armed with at least the hook. Lock your doors and do not engage. Notify local authorities if you witness any suspicious activity. Scary, right? The couple were bombarded with knocking and tapping on their vehicle. It was so dark out they couldn't see the intruder. As they sped off, they regained their senses. Happy and fortunate that they escaped from what appeared to be an attack. When they parked, they saw, hanging from the driver's side door handle, a hook. Ha! <laughs> Scared you, didn't I? Oh, relax, it's just a story. But I see your wandering eyes. I'm going to secure your legs together. I know that look. You're going to try and run on me again. That's just something I cannot have right now. That's better. And it's not too tight, right? You're fine. I'm just trying to tell you a story. Stop being so dramatic. Did you ever wonder why there was a mention of scary ghost stories in the Andy Williams song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year? It's one of the most iconic Christmas songs of all time. And in one of the verses of this insanely upbeat song, he sings, they tell ghost stories by the campfire. Seems a little out of place to me. Yes, ghost stories are always popular, even during the most wonderful time of the year. Now, I'm going to need you to stop. Someone is going to hear you. I told you I'd return you to your parents, but you have to play by my rules. I said it would all be okay. I don't want to hear you crying. How many times do I have to repeat myself? I'm becoming a bit flustered. I don't like feeling this way told you this. Made myself clear about my intentions. I just want to tell you a story, and I haven't even started it yet. I thought you'd appreciate my little preamble, but it looks like you just don't want to hear it. Should I give you one more chance? Everyone else I've told this story loved it, okay? They loved it. They were all returned to the earth. I mean, their parents. They were all returned. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not thinking clearly. Because of you. You just won't play by the rules, will you? Mm. I wish this didn't end like this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the story, and you're going to listen. It's as easy as that. I told you I don't want to do it like this, but I need you to give me your full attention. There. There, that's better. So, what do you think of my story? Uh-huh, sure. Yes, I get that. <laughs> very good. You're very insightful. I'm glad you turned out to be such a great listener. Oh, you'd love to sit by the fire for a while longer? 
Well, I do appreciate that, but it's getting late. Much later than I anticipated. We've got to find a place for you to hide. We can't get you back to your parents right now, not in your condition. You understand. You'll see them again one day. That I can promise. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I hope you enjoyed Join Me by the Fire by Blake Blizzard, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscurrypodcast.com slash authors slash blizzard. That's simplyscurrypodcast.com slash authors slash B-L-I- Z-Z-A-R-D. Blake has numerous tales that can be found in the depths of the creepypasta community, including The Bridge Game, as well as an Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube channel you'll probably want to dig into. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. You see, isn't it wonderful when we can all get together for a nice chat in the woods with a roaring campfire, pleasantries exchanged, and just a little touch of murder takes me right back to my childhood, I tell you. Not every meeting can consist of such conversation, though. Sometimes get-together happens at night, at home, when you're not exactly expecting company. Take this tale of a night's sleep where an unwanted guest makes an appearance. Without further ado, I present to you Terror in the Mind of the Abyss. Battle not with monsters, lest ye become a monster. And if you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. Frederick Nietzsche There's something looking at me in the corner of my room. I throw one blurry half-opened eye toward my ancient alarm clock in an attempt to see what time it is. 
3 a.m., of course. We all see things late at night. Things that shouldn't be there, because they usually aren't. Maybe after a stressful night of sleep, I'll wake up to see something just dart out of my vision. I'm sure people have seen shadows and have heard weird noises in the dead of night. I can explain most of these away. After your brain has been in sleep mode, for lack of a better term, your perception is not calibrated as it is during your waking life. How many times have you seen what you know is a pile of clothes in a chair or in the corner and mistaken it for one of the devil's most heinous creations? I hope what I'm seeing right now is just a pile of dirty laundry. It's not a pile of laundry. As my eyes and brain were working overtime trying to assure me it was not an intruder or a demon, I heard a quiet expulsion of air come from the pile of clothes. A snort. Tiny stream of air leaking out of what would appear to be small holes in a face. Can you imagine how many voices and thoughts go through your head when you realize that someone or some possible deity is in your home watching you sleep? This thing was dark. As I said, it's in the middle of the night right now. This thing is a mass of bad energy, blacker than night. I think I can barely perceive two almond-shaped eyes with just the slightest yellow tint staring back at me. My bedroom is fairly spacious. I think that uh, it's making this more unsettling. For context, if I, for some goofy reason, had a basketball next to my bed, I could easily toss it at the being. I'm not the most accurate, but I know I could smack it in the chest area if it had a chest. He or she or it just sits there. Now that my eyes are beginning to adjust to the night, it looks like this thing is perched on the dresser in the corner. I can barely make out what it looks like. Legs. In a squatting position, I guess. The arms blur into the mass of black, but I can see clearly. Fingers gripping the counter of the dresser. Tendrils might be more accurate. The eyes, I mentioned. I don't want to describe the mouth. Sweat forming. I fight to control the shaking in my extremities. I'm lying on my back, arms at my sides and legs straight. I could be King Tut right now. I dare not move. I have to see how long has elapsed since I awoke to such rudeness. The slowest, most painful eye movement in history. I see that it's 3.02 a.m. Damn it. I can feel tears start to slowly cascade from my eyes down my cheeks. I still dare not move. At this point, all I can do is shut my eyes and forcefully pray myself back to sleep. Before I do, I catch one more glimpse of the thing. Still perched, still staring in my direction. I could, possibly, still hit him with a basketball, with a decent amount of effort. As I somehow drift back to sleep, I remember being nine or ten years old. One of the many dumb moments of my childhood comes to greet me. I was showing off my new 410 air rifle pellet gun 
to my friend that was staying over for the night. After blowing away some helpless Coke cans, my friend said it would be cool if we started shooting stuff inside my family's barn. It seemed harmless. We fired off some rounds into the wood exterior. And then I got one of those brilliant young boy ideas. Let's shoot some windows. Our barn didn't have glass windows. The only opening was meant to lead to a contraption for feeding hay into the second level. But my dad kept a collection of window panes ready for assembly in the summertime. It was for our greenhouse, something he and my mom were very proud of. They cultivated multiple beautiful botanicals along with a plethora of fruits and vegetables. I remember hitting the first window dead center. It didn't shatter like you think it would. The round pellet was small and the greenhouse glass was thick. Maybe half an inch? made a tiny hole where the pellet penetrated. My friend and I had a laugh and moved on. Only a day later, my dad brought me to the barn. He calmly asked me who had shot the windows. I was blown away. How did he even see the hole? And why did he think it was from a gun? Kids. We thought we were so much smarter than our parents. I did what any stupid kid would do. I... I have no idea, I stammered. I remembered looking into his eyes, seeing the look on his face, bordering on rage, but containment. I'll ask you again, son. Why did you shoot my greenhouse glass? I panicked. I blamed the whole idea on my friend. Shameful. He wasn't satisfied. Maybe not 100% sure if I was telling the truth, but he knew that I had something to do. He thankfully dropped it, and I received no punishment. I blamed my friend, who did have the idea to shoot stuff in the barn, which was stupid, but I was the one who decided to impress my friend by shooting out some glass panes. None of it makes sense now to my adult brain. I wake now, queasy and heart-pounding. The beast is still there. It's moved closer. Now, if I, for some reason... I had a baseball near my bed. I could peg him with minimal effort. I'm not the most accurate tosser, but I'm confident I could hit it right in the center mass. The panic really starts to set in now. What is this? Why is it here? Why won't it just kill me already? I try to get a better look now that it's closer. Still dark, still staring. It's like a statue with a heartbeat. Watching seething, judging. 24-year-old me. I'm working security for a well-known pizza mogul. I didn't work for him directly, but one of my many companies he created. I'm stationed outside one of his buildings while the Thanksgiving parade commences. This parade is cherished by those of us in the area. I grew up watching this on television every year. In the midst of making sure our area was safe, cut vision of a homeless man walking through the crowd. Not at all an unfamiliar sight, but he seemed enthralled. He was taking in the spectacle just as anyone else was. Tattered, bruised, broken. He still took a moment out of what I would assume was an awful existence to enjoy the day of thanks. I jolted up. I momentarily forgot that I was sharing my bedroom with a 
creature from the unknown. I have not moved since I noticed it. Now I'm propped up on both my elbows, breathing much more heavily than I'd like. It's moved much closer to me now, so close that I could take a golf ball if I had one near my bed, just toss it into the demon's face. I'm fully conscious now. My thoughts run into my fiancée, asking her to marry me on the Cuyahoga River in Ohio. Her spirit, her love. Never known any human person that has given so much love. I'm now entangled in a staring contest with this thing. Shockingly, it moves slightly back. It's still not making any more noise or giving up any emotion. I decide to blatantly look at the time. 6.30 a.m. Why won't this thing just kill me? Losing the will to go on. Whatever game this is, I don't have the mental capacity to compute. I've never been more afraid in my life. It slowly slides back off my bed to its original position. Its movements are sickening. Cracking and slimy. Correction. I've never been more afraid in my life. Until right now. My once dark blinds are now turning a gradual yellow. Moonlight gives way to daylight. The sun is quietly making its daily debut. I notice that I don't have my blinds fully closed either. There looks to be an exposed space of about eight inches that allows the natural light to shine. Enough light to expose just the most gradual essence of my intruder friend. The light shows only a portion of his left side. I know now that I wish I had held on to the perception I had of it. A being, an entity, a spiritual disaster. The light exposes something that looks human. Feral, but human. Its arm has hair up to the shoulder, like a dog. Its oblique is strong and scarred. I don't know if this is mental, but the smell of swine intrudes my nose. I follow the new vision of this entity, human from its torso back up to its face, a face that now is more illuminated. It's smiling, several teeth bared, teeth dripping with blood and saliva. I didn't think seeing a human would be worse than seeing a monster. I wish it wasn't human. It's so close, the smell is making me feel lightheaded like a dead animal carcass baking in the desert heat. The worst part is how bad this smell makes me feel. Physically, it makes me feel nauseous. That part I can try to deal with. Mentally, the smell makes me feel fear. I'm afraid. I should have been better. Better to everyone. I'm such a disappointment. What? What do you... What do you want? It starts to crawl toward me, smooth but jerky, like a wind-up toy. What do you think, Detective Lungo? A tired senior inspector side-eyes his new partner. He knows a cornucopia of vomit is coming. It might not be now, but it'll be soon. The new detective holds his mouth with a tissue-draped hand. Well, the cut on his neck is jagged. It's like someone strangled him with barbed wire. 
His entire throat is... Oh, God. Grizzled vet waits for Lungo to return. Uh, you were saying? Uh, right. So the Vic looks like he died from strangulation. That's for sure. Violence needed to flay his neck. Need the strength and determination of... Junior detective grabs his CVS bag to puke into it again. If your guts are empty now, do you have any theories of what happened here, rookie? Longo's grown to hate his new promotion to detective. Eighteen years in the force, ten years on the department's SWAT team, several high-risk warrant arrests, and two huge high-profile media-covered convictions. Anyone would call his service veteran status, but he's a rookie detective. That's the way this fraternity works, and always has. Longo wipes the last remaining trace of clear drool and mucus from his face. He got his dang neck caught almost in half, Sal. You don't need a gold badge to see that old man. He knows he should not have snapped at the veteran officer. The man who's volunteered to mentor him was, but he's not sorry either. He doubts Sal has seen something like this himself, even in all his years in homicide. Sal looks at Lungo, smirking a bit. Yeah, kid, it doesn't get any easier. You just learn how to compartmentalize and move on. Come on. The informs have something to tell us. Lungo eyes the old man, now dropping his anger down a few notches. He knows Sal wants the best for him. He should appreciate that more. Lungo finishes up jotting down what one of the first responding officers told him. So? Sal asks trying to study the new detective to see if it's bad news or worse news. Longo looks up from his snow, checking his head. No forced entry. Fiancé is a complete mess, of course. But she says there's multiple cameras on the property, and so that's good. Poor girl. Even hearing the worst news you could ever hear in your life, she wants to help us pull the camera feed. Officer Ramirez smartly told her, We got a guy that can figure it out. She's on her way to the station now. Good, Sal spoke. Your idea to get her out of here? Longo gave a confused half-shake of his head. Um, yeah. We can't have her here right now. Well, this is so fresh. It's not good for the investigation, and more than that, she shouldn't be here while her husband-to-be... Has already started the decomp process. Sal tries to stop, but a half-smile materializes on his face. Maybe only the Hubble telescope would be able to spot it to the general population. But Longo noticed. You bet he noticed. This doesn't make sense. We need to get to the office and start finding out what this guy was into. No prints, no note, no known enemies, in the most basic preliminary calls I've made. What are we still doing here, senior detective? Longo is unkempt. He's more of a go-in-first-ask-questions-later type. Now he's had to do a 180 and focus only on questioning. Sal takes a seat at the edge of the bed, hoping not to sit in any DNA, even though most of it has been cleaned up now. CSU guys got what they needed, and the cleaner they always use is already well on his way to uh, making this bedroom look like none of the horribleness ever happened. That's his gift. 
Think it's a good time for a sit-down, old man? Lungo spits out, cocking his head to one side, not taking his eyes off of his mentor. You're right about one thing, rookie. We've been here a little longer than usual. I thought you'd find it before I did. You're twenty years my junior. People don't write notes today, but... Lungo immediately gets that rush of, oh, I knew it the second it left your mouth. He moves slowly, his head toward the victim's laptop. Open, but sleeping. God, how did... I haven't looked. Why didn't... Sal mercifully waves a helping hand at Lungo. It's okay, kid, we're all doing. You didn't think it was that important, I get it. Open it up. Lungo does, embarrassed that he made such a huge mistake on a delicate case like this. He had some random keys to unlock the computer from its slumber. The lock screen appeared, a scenic view of a mountainside. Several Tichigalagi versicolor plants dot the foreground. Lungo only knew this because he had a passion for plant life, something he definitely kept from his brotherhood on the forest. It's been such a long night, Lungo had forgotten that he'd already looked at the computer, but it was password protected, like every device in the last ten years. It's locked, Sal. We already knew this. Ramirez said he's got someone at the station that can figure the password out. When we bring it in. Look at the back of that notepad. Inside the laptop, son. Lungo did. Scribbled on the rear of the pad were four bold letters. Veil. The hell is that supposed to mean? Lungo asked. It's Latin for goodbye, Lungo. So you knew this was here the whole time? What the hell's wrong with you? We're trying to figure out a robbery gone wrong or a senseless murder or a suit. Lungo stopped. You needed to put it together, son. Type that in for the password. I bet you'll find something as soon as you do. Lungo, now feeling the sadness creeping from nowhere, did as he was told. Four quick keystrokes and the lock screen dissipated. Open was a word document. It looks like our victim was writing something. Describing. Uh, describing something wicked coming for him. I don't fully get it. I... It's a note, Sal. Son of a bitch. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope you enjoyed Terror in the Mind of the Abyss by Blake Blizzard as performed by yours truly. Some would say the greatest terror is created in your own mind. I guess to an extent that can be true, especially when it comes well-armed and ready to cause trouble. But let's look upon a happier occasion as four friends get together for a weekend of fun, excitement, and a most unusual game. Yes, there are some games that should be avoided at all costs, though some can entrap you before it's too late. Without further ado, I present to you, we made plans for Friday the 13th. That can't be what I think it is. I said out loud to myself. My friends and I had decided to get together at my place for some good old-fashioned fun. Our version of such includes competing in college drinking games. I'll tell you right now that we are much past college age. I'd say, though, that playing beer pong or flip cup isn't weird yet for us, if you get that. I'm only 35. My former roommate, Jay, is just a year younger, and our twin friends, Kendall and Kelsey, are maybe 36 or 37. We are drinking game OGs and feel 100% confident that we can enjoy tossing a little ping pong into a questionably clean red solo cup of Miller Lite for at least another year or two. Hitting the lordy lordy Lucas 40 Club might be the end of drinking games. Yo, Jake, you or Jay ever played Depth Charge? Kelsey asked. Or maybe it was Kendall. After all these years, I still have a hard time differentiating between the two. Me and Jay, whose real name is Jeremiah, shared a Bio 101 class with the twins first day of college. When I knew he wanted to be a doctor, I thought it would be funny to call him Dr. J, like the Philly basketball legend, and it stuck. Not only were me and Jay randomly paired as roommates, but we also happened to have our first class together. That's how our friendship started, and we've been connected ever since, at least in communication in our post-college life. Jay has long since moved to the southeast to practice medicine. No, I said. Can't say that I have, Kay. I stopped myself. Like I said, I sometimes still didn't recognize which twin was which. Clearing my throat, I continued, No, can't say as I have, and left it at that. I suspect both Kendall and Kelsey have recognized my failure to identify them, and have mercifully given me a pass. Hell, I've got twin cousins. I was in my teens when they were born, so I've seen them grow up and I still don't recognize them. Thankfully, one has gotten a lip piercing, so that helps. But as most twins, they chose to dress, act, and always talk the same. I'm sure most twins are used to this. I was never great at science or math. Jay, as I said, became a doctor, so he was more than capable of helping me during that initial undergrad class. But we needed to break into groups of four for the lab part of the class, and we both thought the twins were cute, 
like every other guy in the class, I'm sure. Jay's charm and my brooding mystery somehow worked, and we all partnered up. We were in the very beginning of the emo explosion in the early 2000s, and I just took to it. Brooding and dark didn't even begin to describe my personality back then. But I did like drinking, and so did Jay. So we all got along right off the bat. Turned out so did the twins. And we remained friends all through college and beyond. Kelsey, Jake's never played depth charge. He said, smiling like a goofball. They do this when people don't remember which twin they're talking to. It's so considerate, it hurts. One will call the other by their name so you can cue into what they're talking about and who they're talking to. Very considerate. Kendall gives me a look like, It's fine. We came all this way to hang. Don't worry about the names. I'm much appreciative. Kelsey and Jay, having a convo of their own near the bar area in my basement, come skipping over drinks in hand to admonish me for my inexperience in this particular drinking game. It's a rare, nice early spring day here in the great state of Michigan where I live. All four of us met here. Central Michigan University. Fire up chips. I've remained here to this day. Not at CMU, of course, but in Michigan. Jay's in the southeast, as previously mentioned. And the twins both took teaching jobs in the greater Phoenix, Arizona area. As adults, we all know how hard it is to coordinate schedules, but it just happened to work for all of us on this. Jay put a group text out about a month ago, seeing if we could all meet up and live up those glory days for a weekend. I quickly offered up my place. I've got a lot of room. And thankfully, we landed on an early May date that we could all do. Jay already had time scheduled off in school. Both the twins worked at happened to have a three-day weekend for some kind of principal training. Not sure what that is, as I've been out of high school for quite some time. Either way, we're here, all here, all four of us. Bros hanging out in my basement, shotgunning beers in the slamming quarters. Kendall and Jay arrive at the pong table I bought online for just tonight's occasion. Kendall bumps into the edge a little bit, rocking some of the undrunk cups of light beer from an earlier pawn game. How have you never played Death Charge? Kendall looked at her identical self with a look, a wild look, of what an idiot on her face. I just stood there and shrugged, looking at Jay for some kind of backup or confirmation that he's never played either. He shrugged back at me, mouthing something like, I don't know either. He started to giggle to himself. We're all having a monster time. I see he's along for the ride here, waiting to see how the twins are about to embarrass me about depth charge, even though he's never played the damn thing himself. No matter. Time to take the bait. Okay, ladies and lords of drinking games, pray tell what is this beautiful game. The twins both laugh, almost snorting out vodka cranberry from their noses. They even drink the same thing at all times. Kendall takes a seat at the bar like it'll help while explaining the game. Okay, so, it's a two-player game, with a maximum maybe of four players, which is, oh, damn, what we have. 
She extends both arms out, reiterating that there are in fact four of us. You fill up a pint, a glass of beer, and ever so gently place a shot glass in the middle. If you do it right, it'll just sit above the liquid. Then, then, you take turns pouring sake into the shot glass. The goal is not to sink the glass under the beer. The strategy is not to be the one to sink the shot. If you do, you have to chug both the beer and the shot. Simple, right? Sounds like fun, actually, I thought. I'm game, I said, throwing up my hands. Jay nods in approval, as does Kelsey. Ah, only problem is I don't have any sake, I said. I have a nicely stocked bar, but never thought to have sake. Just not one of the drinks I've kept in my collection. It doesn't have to be sake. But it's so light that it helps keep the shot glass from sinking quickly. Kendall says. I want to do it the way it's supposed to be done, especially since she seems to be so excited about it. I can run to the party store right now. It's only nine o'clock. It won't take me long. I told them. They all started going, no, don't go out, type of thing. But I let them know that the party store is just around the corner, only a five-minute walk from my house. No driving tonight. I'm never going to risk that problem. Fun fact... Here in Michigan, we use the term party store to describe all liquor stores and many convenience stores in our area. I didn't know until I was older that that was an exclusive Great Lakes State term. Other places might call it a beer store, a packy, or a bodega, even. You guys put on some Taking Back Sunday or April Levine. I'll be back before you know it. Nostalgia, you see. Stepping outside, I was immediately hit by the unseasonably warm early May weather. It made me feel content. The jingle overhead signaled that I'd arrived. Mr. C's party store on Nine Mile in Jefferson, one of my home-away-from-home spots. I nodded to Sam, the store owner, that never seemed to have a day off. Heading to the back of the store, I'd found just what I was looking for. Black bottle with gold Japanese writing on it. $14 bottle of sake. This should do. As I walked toward the counter with my prize, I stopped. I felt like I had hit an invisible barrier. That can't be what I think it is. A board game? I've never seen a board game in this or any other party store before. They might have playing cards or even packs of ping pong balls cups for playing beer pong, but never board games. On the second to bottom shelf sat a dusty black rectangular box. Lake Kill, the board game. I felt like I was starring in a 1980s slasher or something. Dimwit male lead finds cursed board game, plays with naive drunk friends. Brutal and maybe hilarious consequences follow. To add to the Hollywood-like aura, I had to literally dust off the top of the box, revealing the logo. A simple red canoe with oars crossing behind it, like a skull and crossbones type aesthetic. This looked like it would be a great time. I sped walk to Sam, threw the sake and the cursed board game on the counter. His expression was blank. Uh, Sam? What's up, man? He quietly grabbed a bag from behind the counter. I calmly put my black and cold sake in it, 
and pushed it toward me. Thanks, but I also have this here, too. I tapped the top of the black rectangular box. I didn't see the price, but I know he owns charged me for the bottle that he had just bagged. You're good, is all Sam said. No, Sam, seriously, I want to buy this. Just tell me what... You are good, Sam said as serious as a heart attack. I didn't want to push it, so I tucked the game under my arm and grabbed the sacky. Weird. Hope he's okay. When I got home, I kicked my shoes off, hung my sweatshirt up, and headed downstairs with the game bar on my back. Three of my guests seemed like they were still having a great time. Music was blaring, used shot glasses, lined the bar, and the pizzas we ordered earlier had almost been demolished. Okay, party people, I got the stuff that's going to pop my depth charge cherry. Let's light the fuse. Jay and the twins collectively cheered, if mockingly. After making myself another drink, Kendall started filling up a glass for the game. As she was picking out a not-so-heavy shot glass to make the game last longer, I totally forgot what other purchase I'd acquired. Oh, hey, you want to see something weird? That was greeted with blank stares. Probably not the best way to start a sentence. We all laughed, breaking the awkward silence, thank goodness. No, for real, check this out. With that, I ran back upstairs and grabbed the game. As I hopped back down the stairs, I held it proudly in front of me, displaying it like Vanna White. Again, blank stares. What is this? I don't get it, Jay said. The twins nodded in agreement. I had to realize that they didn't know I just picked this up from the party store. They must have thought I had it lying around the house. I explained that I just happened to see it sitting in one of the shelves and how weird that was. They eventually understood how uncanny finding a board game at a party store was. So the four of us sat at the bar with the Lake Kill board game sitting in front of us. Well, let's play, Kelsey said. She looked at her sister to see what her thoughts were. Kendall cracked a smile. I gladly took the honors of tearing the cellophane off the box. Carefully opening the lid revealed the actual board. I removed said board, revealing a standard-looking Monopoly style, squares littering every side. They stated things like pick a card, move two spaces, and lose life. Under the board laid two compartments, both holding a stack of cards. One was black, the other red. There were also some icons you could use to move, like the top hat or car from Monopoly. These were stranger. They included a hockey mask, a knife, a noose, and a diamond. Curiouser and curiouser. Stranger, still, is that there were only four when the game said it was rated for two to eight players. Um, I'll be the hockey mask, I guess, Jay said. Damn, I wanted that one. The twins took the next two, the knife and noose. Guess that left me the diamond. Jay started reading the instructions. This is like a Frankenstein list of rules. They don't make sense, and they're all molded together. Doesn't make much sense, man. Frankenstein's monster, I said. What? Jay said, looking confused. Sorry, it's just something that always bothers me. 
When you refer to something strange or freakishly put together as like Frankenstein, when you really mean it's Frankenstein's monster, not Dr. Frankenstein, the man scientist. We all laughed a bit, but I really had to point out the difference. Whatever, man, she said. Says here, the oldest rolls first. Hey, Kendall said, joyfully grabbing the die. What? I'm five minutes older, Kelsey. Sorry, giving a loser grin with her right thumb and forefinger, making the L sign to her younger sister. Kendall rolled. Three. She landed on the third spot, which instructed her to pull a chance card. She read it out loud to us. Stay quiet. He's outside the door. We all seemed to stop breathing. What the hell does that mean? Before any of us could muster a response, we heard three loud banging noises coming from the front door above us. Now, with wide eyes, the twins looked at us. Did, did you order something? Or just have someone else coming over? Kendall asked. Shh, her sister said. The card said to be quiet. Three more aggressive bangs made us all jump. Not knowing if this was a coincidence or someone actually was at the door, I put my index finger to my lips, signaling the others to remain quiet as I went to the base of the stairs where I could get a visual of the front door. I didn't see anything. Must have just been a coincidence. As that thought finished in my head, the lights went off. A scream escaped from the girls. It honestly could have been from any of us, but I chose to blame it on them. When the light turned back on, there was a yellow playing card laying in front of Kendall. What the frick, man? What kind of game is this? Jay asked, looking at me. Kendall turned the card over to reveal only one character. The number one. At this moment, I finally realized what day it was. May 13th, Friday. Jay kept reading on the instructions. As he read, we all determined this was not an ordinary game. Jay scanned to the final objective of the game. The first to obtain the seven yellow cards wins. That's odd. You would think the first to get the 13 won, but well, whatever. If you do not successfully complete the given tasks, then punishments would be dished out detailed by the other sets of cards. Okay, okay. Just follow the instructions, guys, as the game lay. It's just a game, I said, trying to sound convincing. The knocks were just, well, I don't entirely know, but it couldn't be something related to the game, just a, an awful coincidence. Dumb kids playing ding-dong ditch or something. Hey, we stayed quiet and won that round, so let's just stay in the spirit of the game. I know they didn't believe that. I didn't believe that. I can't believe I had not realized... We were all gathered on a Friday the 13th. First one in almost nine months. Who's next, Jay? I asked. Jay looked flustered but pulled the instructional pamphlet to his face. After the first roll, the turns will continue clockwise. Jay placed the instruction down and looked at me. He was sitting at Kendall's left, Jay's turn. Jay rolled a two. His hockey mask landed on a space that said two simple words. You're safe. What did that mean? What do we do? 
Next one, Jay said. I don't have to draw any card, just I'm safe. What's that in your drink, Kelsey asked. We all looked at it. A sickly yellow card covered in an unknown sludge. Slowly fishing it out, Jay held it up. Two. Kelsey's turn. She hesitantly rolled. The black and white die fell with the six face up. Pick a red card. She did as instructed. And see her face fall when she silently mouthed the card to herself. Kendall shook her. What, what does it say? Kelsey stared straight ahead silently, handing the card over to her twin sister. Kendall read it out loud. Sorry, you're not the final girl. Thank you for playing. I let out a nervous laugh, not meaning to. <laughs> Relax, Kelsey. It's just a game. That doesn't mean any... Lights out. Panic ensued between the twins, accompanied by me and Jay, trying to make sense of what was happening and also trying to calm them both. When the lights turned back on, Kendall was holding the now blank red card. The yellow card was also in front of you. I didn't wait this time. I turned it over to reveal the number. Three. This doesn't make sense, I thought. Why did she get the third yellow card, even though it was Kelsey's turn? Where the hell did the yellow cards come from? And what the hell were they? I didn't see them in the game. Something very bad was... We were interrupted by my phone. Queens Don't Stop Me Now played at an inhuman volume level. All three of us clasped our ears, trying to preserve our hearing and sanity. Finding a way to finally open one eye, I firmly met my gaze with Jay. I could barely make out what he was attempting to mouth to me. Your turn. The sound waves were almost visible. I reached with all my might, grabbing the die. A weak toss bounced the die, Hitting one side, then another, the die landed. I rolled a one. Freddie Mercury's epic voice silenced, releasing us from our auditory prison. Gasping for air, we all finally sat up, attempting to regain our sanity. Where's Kelsey? Kendall asked. Holy crap. She's gone. She's gone. Jay interjected before we lost our minds. Listen, it's part of the game. I know it doesn't sound right that we need to continue the game before we think about this. Maybe she freaked and left while we were all getting our ears beaten to a pulp by Freddy. We shouldn't have jumped into this stupid light kill game, but now we can't stop. Let's just end this and figure it out later. Jay sounded entirely reasonable, despite the horror we'd just gone through. A member of our party had just disappeared, for God's sakes, but for some reason, I understood what he was saying. I looked at Kendall, giving her a look of, I'm sorry. She returned the sentiment. I moved my diamond piece. The spot I landed on said random. Put my head down, running my hands through my black hair. The black hair that would probably see some gray sprouting up in very little time. Keeping my head to the ground, I asked Jay what that meant. It said she'd pick a card, either red or black. A feeling of dread blanketed my body. Keeping my left hand on my face, I reached with my right for a card. 
I pulled the card. Opening my eyes, I read. As I finished, I looked at my two remaining friends. They looked back at me with bated breath, like what I was about to say might end the world. The card read, Choose which of your two friends should leave the game. Jay immediately started shaking his head. No, 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 no. How the hell does this game know? How many people are here? This is a prepackaged, dumbass Parker Brothers game, man. What did you do to us, Jake? Kendall started to cry silently. Stop! I slammed my fist into the bar, rattling the game pieces and cards. Both Jay and Kendall recoiled out of instinct. I'm not going to choose between you. It's a stupid game, and I would never make that decision. Look, I don't know what's going on here, whether it be supernatural, paranormal, or otherwise, but we can logically explain this. Looking at my friends, the only friends I've kept in the last 20 years, I could see my mini-motivational speech had fallen on deaf ears. I think we should put this away and go look for Kelsey. I never thought she would be so spooked by something like this. I stood up, made sure I had my house keys in my left pocket, and my phone in my right, and nodded to Jay to join me. He was about to stand up when a voice quietly sounded behind us. You rolled. You moved your piece. You accepted the move. There's no avoiding it. I will take a liberty here. You don't have to choose between me or Jay. Without Kelsey, I don't want to be. Old Jay and realized what Kendall was saying at the same time. We both turned around to stop her. What happened next was in gruesome slow motion. What we saw was one of our best friends plunge a nail file into her neck, painting my basement with burgundy red viscous. The horrific reality of what just happened is something I might not ever process. The noises she made. I shakily dropped to her side, trying to help her stay alive. It was no use. Taking her pulse, I felt nothing except a waxy feeling. I gripped the alien device, pulling it toward me. A yellow card. Four. Now it's me and Jay. Both on our knees, both on either side of one of the sweetest people we'd ever met. In a matter of minutes, she'd lost her twin sister then her own life. I again put my head down. Your turn, I said. Jay didn't let his eyes leave poor Kendall. He reached for the die without saying a word. One quick glance at me and he tossed it. The sound of the die hitting the board felt like it shook the ground beneath us. Four. He moved his blood-covered piece. He made no motion to read the board or pick it. So I leaned in and did it for him. Heart race time, the space said. Pick a black card. It read, Your choice. Expose one secret that no one knows about you and gain two cards or face a punishment, giving your opponent two cards. Jay started shaking his head as he finally got up from his knees and took a seat by the bar. I don't have anything to hide, Jake, you know that. I really don't even care about this anymore. I want to get the hell out of here. 
Let's pack this thing up and go. We have to call the police. If you didn't notice, there's one dead girl in your basement and one missing. I started to agree with him immediately, but I stopped. Jay, I started solemnly. The game is the game. We can't beat it like this. Not now. I know you're all about science and explaining things, but look what's happened here, man. I tried to convince him as much as I could. I thought I had him. I got nothing for you anymore, man. I have no secrets, and I don't care about getting the two cards. Punish me. I winced as he finished that sentence. I felt like, yep, lights out. Here we go again. My walls were closing in. There were banging noises coming from every direction. Jay fell to the ground again, trying to drown out the sounds of what seemed like multiple intruders. I did the same, although feeling more dead to this night. I just wanted to end this. When the lights finally came back on, I could see that some of my glassware had actually been tossed from its original locations. Great. So now I even have poltergeist activity tonight. Happy Friday the 13th. Happy Lake Kill Night. The knocking was so loud, I didn't even hear my glasses break. Every time the lights went out, we were met with something awful. I scanned the room. No yellow cards, no more blood, no more... Wait! A small white piece of paper was peeking out of Jay's pocket. Did you have that there all night, I asked. He looked down to his left breast pocket. As he pulled the note out, his eyes sank as he read it to himself. The note fell from his hand. What is it? He offered no response. I slowly grabbed the note from the ground in front of him. It wasn't a note, it was a prescription. Well, buterol. What is this, Jay? I asked again. I... I didn't know, he offered. Something in this deadpan tone told me he did know. It was supposed to. It was supposed to treat anxiety. Damn it, the side effects were stated, but... The company that pushed it, they paid a lot. They... What did you do, Jeremiah? Take your cards, Jake. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't care what the punishment is. I'll die with what I know. Pretty extreme for the good doctor I've known since college. He's one of the most upstanding people I've ever been around. Did you hurt people, man? What the hell is this? Just admit it you'll get the cards. We're almost done with this nightmare. Jay looked around the room, seemingly planning his next action. No, I, I can't. For some reason, he pulled a red card without being told by the game. What are you doing? I thought to myself. Jay read, You won't release your deeds, so you'll sow the seeds. You reap what you sow, after all. With that, he placed the card back down on its face. He reached back into his French shirt pocket, producing two little yellow pills. I couldn't see exactly what was etched on them from where I was sitting, but I thought I made out what looked like three little letters. R-I-P. Jay, don't! I tried to reach to him, but it was too late. He threw them down his throat before I had a chance. A big swallow and his pupils immediately dilated. A small amount of foam emanated from both corners of his mouth. 
Trey, stop. It's not worth it. Don't do this. I tried desperately, desperately tried to get him uh, to him, but, but he was gone. My best friend, my only friend now, just catatonically pointed to his pocket. I approached him cautiously, pulling out two yellow cards from his pocket. Five, six, they read. This will be my last turn. I'm going to fix this somehow. I have no idea how. But I'll fix this, not getting Jay out of my sight. I hastily threw the devil die. Six. I slammed my diamond piece six places, reaching the first square where we started this game. The square was blank as it was from the beginning. I didn't know what to do. It offered no instruction. Jay broke his frozen state, Speaking without emotion, monotone, he said, Congratulations. The first one to make one trip around the board automatically gains one yellow card. I stared at him. Confusion, sadness, despair flooded my entire being. He pointed at the center of the board game. The black and red cards were gone. The pieces, the die, were gone. One yellow card sat. I shakily grabbed it and flipped it over. Seven. I woke up in my bed. My head felt like the Hammer Brothers from Super Mario were having a party. I whirled myself up, immediately falling to the ground. Pain shot through my entire body. Momentarily, forgetting everything from last night, I ran downstairs after I puked like a champion found my basement bar in pristine condition. No empty drinks, no board game, no catatonic friend, no dead friend bleeding on the ground. I found my phone sitting on the bar. Ten percent battery left, thank goodness. No notifications, no missed calls. I tried calling Jay. No answer. I called both twins. Same result. I sat down, holding my smoldering head in my hands. After what felt like an eternity, I heard a text message go off. Sonic the Hedgehog's ring sound. It snapped me back to reality. Opening the text, it was from Jay. Hey, brother. Twins just landed at Metro Airport. I'll be there in about an hour. So pumped for tonight. I think we all need this. Funny, it's Friday the 13th, right? See you soon, man. I hope you enjoyed We Made Plans for Friday the 13th by Blake Blizzard, as performed by yours truly. I'd like to remind you one last time that tonight's featured authors can be found by visiting our website. Just visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash authors slash blizzard. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash authors slash B-L-I-Z-Z-A-R-D do decide to stop by, please leave a kind word and let them know you heard about them here on this show and that Otis Jarvis sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. As a reminder, if you decide to give tonight's talented author's stories a read, please consider leaving them a quality review and a kind word or a thoughtful public comment and an upvote 
And be sure to let them know you heard about them here on this program and that me, Otis Jari, sent you. It means more to me than you can imagine, and I'm sure they would much appreciate it as well. Thanks again for your support of the show and of tonight's featured authors. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscurrypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well, at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Jiry. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep if you can. <laughs>
to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>